Welcome to our episode of Dr. Usher Weighs In, where we pull back the curtain on healthcare and uh, try to provide some understanding of healthcare, healthcare costs, and the things that drive illness. Today, we are joined by two entrepreneurial gentlemen who I am thrilled uh, to introduce to you today, uh, Dr. Jack Burt and uh, Mr. Sam Moen, both out of the Twin Cities. Dr. Burt is a renowned expert in orthopedic surgery and arthroscopic surgery, uh, particularly. He does a lot of teaching and uh, I believe is still in private practice in the cities. Yep. And uh, Mr. Sam Moen is a co-founder and um, uh, one of the uh, owners of MD Direct. They both work together at MD Direct and they are taking a primary hair doctor's uh, approach to orthopedic and musculoskeletal care, which is uh, what uh, brings me uh, a great joy in introducing them to you today. Uh, Dr. Burt uh, and Sam, welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Dr. Usher. Excited to be here. It is indeed a privilege. I am uh, going to uh, kick off. I'm going to have, uh, we're going to each uh, have some time to talk about ourselves here a little bit. You guys, the Podcast people probably already know me. I'm Dr. Dave Usher, but Dr. Burt, if you would uh, give me, actually, Sam, I'm going to have you give me a brief intro uh, of yourself and your background, and and um, and then what we'll do is have Dr. Burt uh, do the same. Thanks, Dr. Usher. So I cut my teeth in healthcare finance. That's originally where I started, and I helped hospitals garner all of the revenue or their expenses and help them make money. So my first job was really just how do you, how do I help hospitals collect money? So I was doing things like getting on the phone with patients and realizing how much uh, people didn't know about what a deductible and a coinsurance was. So I learned a lot there, filled out Medicaid apps. Really uh, the biggest learning that I came away with was the battle between the insurance companies and the hospitals around how do they get paid? So it was really, for me, eye-opening to learn about the industry that way. Uh, so I would work alongside the CFO, uh, did that kind of around the country. And then I decided that I wanted to do something a little bit more entrepreneurial. So I got into the care management side, which is how do you optimize the care journeys of the patient. So it's obviously cheaper for everybody, uh, more effective. So I worked with TCO, Twin Cities Orthopedics, uh, on a bundled payment. We'll get into that a little bit later, but that's really where I met Dr. Burt. And so we've been working on our orthopedic solution for almost five years. And our goal is to help employers reduce their orthopedic costs, because that's the number one area that they spend in terms of diagnosis. So that's Kind of how we we do it and my my motto is really how do you partner with the best clinicians to deliver a better better experience and so that's where we're focused and we're we're happy that we get to work with you and your team because i think we've created a really really great way to work together in a new care model which helps the patient receive better care at a at a lower cost so i'll, I'll stop there and then we can yeah musculoskeletal care is one of those big um three, I guess, right? Three or four things that uh, SAP uh, healthcare uh, plans of their, all their funds, uh, particularly with, uh, for employers and insurance plans generally. Uh, Dr. Burt, um, thank you for joining us today. I'm going to ask you if you would kind of give us a little bit about your background 
and then how it is that you and Sam came to work together and what exactly it is that uh, from your perspective as an orthopedic surgeon, uh, you think this care model can uh, do for not only its patients, but really the whole, the system. Yeah. Thank you, sir. So I'm a board certified orthopedic surgeon. I've been in practice about 40 years. I trained at the Mayo Clinic uh, in Rochester, um, came to the Twin Cities, started a group that eventually built up to about 40 orthopedic surgeons. And then I retired from that group, got a little bit bored and uh, went back into a solo practice situation where I only practice a day and a half a week and spend the rest of the time with Sam. And basically what I found was that when you look at the care uh, methodology, when you're a provider, as opposed to when you're an employer and, and doing claims management, which Sam has become an expert on, um, you find that there's a lot of situations where care may be a little rushed to surgery, if you will. And so what we've been able to do is set up systems with employers where we actually attempt to direct patient care. Now, we don't treat the patient. We evaluate the patient. We have them fill out a questionnaire so we know what's going on with them. And then my team of four or five orthopedic surgeons will review the questionnaire, talk with the patient, see where they want to go with their care. We've been able to uh, find, we've been able to reduce healthcare expenditures with some employers by up to 35%. Musculoskeletal care is 22% of the care and cost for every single employer. It's more than uh, care for cancer, more than diabetes. It's astounding when you look at the numbers. And when you think about the fact as you get older, and I personally have had several back operations, total hip, ankle surgery, just in myself, uh, there's all sorts of maladies that occur, especially as you get older. And now with sports injuries being as they are, I'm past president of the Arthroscopy Association, which is a 6,000 member organization. So I still teach knee and shoulder uh, procedures about every two to three months nationally and internationally. And it allows me to stay up to speed, but it also gives me a perspective on what's going on in the real world. Uh, one thing that Sam and I have noticed is that if we can get our hands on a patient in terms of talking to them, seeing what their care pathway is, directing them to people like you, Dr. Usher, who are capable of treating that patient before they get to the orthopedist and have a surgical approach, we found that we've been able to reduce the number of surgeries, but only not only that, we've had a 98% patient satisfaction uh, rate. In other words, patients are happy to talk to somebody, get a different opinion on where to go with their care and potentially not have a major surgical procedure. What most people don't know, and I've done over 5,000 total knee replacements, is only about 80 to 82% of patients are happy after total knees. Happens to me in my practice. It happens to my colleagues around the Twin Cities. I see their patients, they see mine. And it's always astounding to see that 66% of patients, for example, are still stiff, stiff. A lot of them can't kneel. A third of them still have pain. And so if you're one of the lucky ones, it gets a great result. It's a great operation. But my approach to life is very simple. If you can postpone a major surgical procedure as long as you can with a conservative approach, whether that be an injectable into your knee by your local family doc who does a great job of it. We have long acting cortisone. We have something called visco supplementation. Chicken rooster comb is what people call it. Uh, we have something called platelet-rich plasma. And these particular injectables can postpone total knees in, in our literature by up to seven to 10 years. So that's why we're looking at this from this perspective, trying to manage the care of the patient, give them a different perspective, not treat them, 
and get them to the right group. Now, Sam mentioned something I just want to spend 30 seconds on. We have chosen orthopedic groups that we choose based upon their quality metrics. And our quality metrics are not only good outcomes, but a reasonable cost. And honestly, that's the way the world is. Quality equals outcomes over cost. So if you have a patient, or I'm sorry, a, a group that does what's called a bundled patient, let's say it's X thousands of dollars for a total knee, then they're responsible for the care of that patient, whether it be an MRI, post-operative care, an infection, et cetera, et cetera. So they are definitely incentivized to do a good job. So we've chosen groups around your area. For example, we refer patients to some come back to the Twin Cities that because they do a great job as well. But we exclude groups that aren't willing to be part of this plan and aren't willing to take on the situation where they are responsible for the cost of the care and the quality of the care. So that's what we're all about. We've, we've been very successful to date. And Sam could even talk some more about our success with using this approach. If you were to look at, um, for our listeners, uh, Dr. Burt, um, Sam mentioned the kind of uh, murkiness around insurance and how things work. As a family practice doctor, frequently in the past, with particularly with, well, with privately insured or even Medicare or Medicaid patients, somebody, uh, a patient comes in with a, an orthopedic problem. And despite what I think, uh, if I try to make a referral uh, for uh, evaluation or to get an MRI or do something that I think the patient could use now, frequently we get pushed back by uh, the third party payer, for example, and the patient is required to go to physical therapy for some period of time yeah. uh, and fail physical therapy or steps are introduced between what I think the patient really needs and, and um, what the insurance company is willing to pay for. Um, how do you guys handle that? What is, what's the is there anything real to that? As a family practice doctor, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's very frustrating to me too. I'll give you a quick example. I've been dealing with this last week. I had a patient four months ago come in with classic symptoms for torn meniscus, which is a cartilage in your knee. And not only that, he had these mechanical symptoms. So it took me four months to get an MRI, believe it or not. And inside his knee is a loose body about the size of a marble that's floating around. And he's got a big torn meniscus. I had him scheduled for last Thursday, two weeks out after I saw him, and it was canceled because the insurance didn't cover it. So my poor secretary has been on the phone. She calculated, estimated me about six hours trying to get this taken care of. It's a huge problem in the insurance industry. And what's the, the frustration, David, and you know this as well as I do, the insurers are the ones making all the money. It's not the doctors. It's not anybody else. And so what happens is, the longer they can postpone a payment, the more money they make. There was an article in Medical Economics five years ago for every day an insurance company postpones care and treatment collectively in the United States. They make about $15 million of interest income. So oh. what is the benefit for them to approve a surgery? Now, let me tell you some more about this patient. The analogy I use to having a loose body in your knee is if I took a rock, threw it in your transmission, told you to drive Chicago, what would happen to the gears? They get all chewed up, right? Well, the same thing's happening to this poor kid. And he's a, four, pardon me, kid, he's 42. But the bottom line is that piece of loose body and that torn cartilage is chewing up the surface of the knee joint. The knee joint and the analogy, the, the description I use, if all of you out in that audience think of all the joints in your body is, is like a cake with frosting on it. Think of the frosting as your cartilage. 
there's about 2.5 to 3 millimeters of frosting on all the surfaces of your joints, behind your kneecap, on your tibia, your femur, your hip, your shoulder, your elbow, your wrist, et cetera. What happens in arthritis is it wears down. And that's when you see bone on bone. So imagine you throw a loose body and there are torn cartilage that's flipping around and you're walking on it. You're putting four to five times your body weight, by the way, on your knee when you go up and down stairs. So imagine if you're 200 pounds, you're putting a thousand pounds of weight and it's compressing that loose body against the end of your, uh, inside your joint, chewing up the joint surface, wearing down that icing on the cake, if you will, the same thing a meniscus tear does. So, so it's this body is your own, your own uh, internal stuff, but it just gets fractured or broken or torn. And now it's just floating around there like the rock in the transmission. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's, that's a great analogy. And so what happens is, and it's very common, um, what the insurers don't realize is if they would give these folks immediate care and treatment, get it taken care of, they wouldn't have the issues with the arthritis that's going to develop. Now, this kid will definitely have arthritis in his 50s, probably require multiple injections, probably require uh, early total knee. So it's more cost effective to give patients proper acute treatment. So what Sam and I do when we see a patient, I'll talk to him. If I'm at all nervous, I send him for an MRI. And I don't even think twice about it. I have a very low threshold for that. And the patients love it because then they know what's wrong with them. I get that back in three to four days. And then I recommend a procedure. Now, let's assume I don't see anything. I might recommend one or two PT visits and a home PT visits. I might recommend an injectable of some kind. Or I might recommend just doing an exercise program and nothing else and tell them not to worry about or take some anti-inflammatories. However, if they have something abnormal, if they have a torn cartilage, I want to get that taken care of right away. So I can call orthopedic surgeon groups and say, can you get them in in the next week? And 99.9% will do that because I've already worked up the patient. Patient's already got a diagnosis. What a great referral, right? I'm giving them a surgical case. They're going to have a bundle payment for it. And they'll take care of it and get it done quickly. Boom. It's over in a week to 10 days. That's the way medical care should be. And it's so frustrating to see it's not happening. Yeah. And one of the things I can, I can kind of double click on the insurance side of that, because unfortunately, that's where I came from. And they're using what's called a prior authorization to basically get in the way of the care that you both are trying to recommend. And the problem with these processes that the insurance companies set up is they're extremely high level and they're not personalized. So what they say is everybody needs to go to a certain amount of PT beforehand. Everybody needs to get six visits, which is kind of the common PT regimen before an MRI. And so what that does is that extends, like Dr. Burt was talking about, the diagnosis that everybody's obtaining. So they're influencing the care decisions that all these providers are making. And it's at a very high level without the exact detail. And what we're finding is that's causing more care costs. And then I think the way that the insurance companies think about it is, you know what, a PT visit is only $100 versus an MRI is 1000 So they're thinking at a very short-term, quarter-to-quarter basis. And so that's where a lot of these decisions are being made. And I think that's what's frustrating us is this process is not helping patients. And I think that's where we've gone to a lot of these insurers that we work with. And most of them are on the smaller side to say, let's rethink what we're doing 
And let's rethink how we're making a diagnosis, how we're making decisions on where people should go. And it's a more personalized approach and it does require, you know, more of a magnifying glass. But what we do is we find it, it really decreases the cost because just a general rule of send everyone to PT doesn't really work. And so that's what we're finding. You know, and, and, and maybe to elaborate just for a second, if you don't mind, David, uh, when, when uh, Sam says high level, he doesn't mean high level medical judgment. He means high level insurance administrator decision. So it, instead of coming to, to an orthopedic surgeon, it's going to some administrator, a claims manager who doesn't have a clue, to be frank with you. I had an argument with a, a family doc about six weeks ago on a case um, she was about two years out of medical school was due the, or I'm sorry, residency was doing this on the side. Now I've been lecturing to family practice residency at the university of Minnesota for 30 years. And I would give a monthly lecture. And the honest answer is, is that they only get about six weeks of orthopedic training yet it's 25 to 30% of what they see coming in the office. So during their three years, they get six weeks. And so every time I would say, what would you do with this patient? They're waking up at night. They fell on their shoulder. They fell on their outstretched arm. They can't move their arm up to get the plate out of the second shelf and they can't sleep. Oh, you got to go some PT for six weeks. And I'm going, seriously? So I'd make them examine the shoulder, show them that it's a massive rotator cuff tear. It needs an MRI immediately and it needs to be treated. They're only going to get worse with PT. They're going to tear it more. So that's why we do what we do. We objectify the diagnosis is the term I love to use. We make an objective diagnosis. We then give them appropriate uh, recommendations for care and treatment and get them on their way. Sam mentioned MRIs. In your area, we have found scanners, MRI scanners, willing to do scans for about $700. If I send a patient to therapy twice, that can be as high as $700. And because right. I did the therapy for my back several times, my bills are usually $350 to $400 for one visit. Wouldn't it make more sense to figure out what's wrong with the patient and then send them the therapy if they need it? But if they have a massive tear of the rotator cuff or a big tear of the meniscus, what's the point? They're only going to make them worse. So that's what we try to do. We try to get down and find out exactly what's wrong with that patient, treat them properly, and give him an appropriate care and treatment protocol. I don't think, Jack, it is un, un um, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that I think there's a there's our generations of doctors, not just family medicine, but other specialties as well, that have been trained to do medicine based on what insurance companies will pay for. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? I mean, they, yeah, absolutely. And in, in our area, Western Wisconsin, uh, and I understand this at a, some level. Uh, an MRI can, if you go to one of the big systems around here, may cost you four or five, six thousand dollars, right? So if I'm, yeah. whether I'm an insurance company or a self-insured employer, you know, a TPA or somebody who just has to pay cash, I can see why putting off that MRI might make sense at five or six grand a pop. That is no longer the case, right? I can get, right. I, I mean, I don't do a lot of plain films, frankly, um, uh, but I imagine for seven hundred bucks, you can get an MRI for as inexpensively as for about the same cost to set a plane felt. I mean, you know, um, yeah. which you get a lot more information too. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of this, wow. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I need plane films, but if I've got something orthopedic in nature here. I'll send them to the orthopedist and they can decide if they want to spend that money, if it's helpful for them. But I know the MRI is going to get me great, great information. 
And like yeah. you said, allow me to move forward with a plan that makes more sense. Um, that's great. So there's, I guess there's a, a couple of other things that just kind of systematically I like would think to point out. If the insurance company can put off spending that cash for some period of time, and they're, and one of the concerns is postponing the development of arthritis. One of your concerns is like, gee, if we get that out of there, we can prevent arthritis. Isn't there a percentage of, isn't there something about the insurance company they can, all they have to do is hold people off until they get on a Medicare. Yeah, that's Somebody true. Somebody else pay the bill. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> and they're right. not responsible for that cost. It's a great. Or point. change jobs or change jobs. Yeah. You know, they move into another insurance plan. That's another thing they can, they can kind of rely on is every year these, these companies may change insurance companies. So they're kind of playing the waiting game for a number of different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, they're very, and they're very good at it. As you know, Dave, they're extremely talented at doing that. Right. And right. They've got all the statisticians and the actuaries. Yeah. And, and it's thick. I mean, it's, it's, a, it, it's really causing a huge problem in this country. Uh, I read something the other day. I have a friend in the Netherlands that we communicate a lot. He sent me an article that said the United States spends six times more in healthcare than any other country in Europe, six times more. And you sit there and go, seriously? And they have pretty good med me uh, medical care in the Netherlands. I've been over there several times in uh, Sweden, uh, for example, uh, and uh, in Denmark, and, uh, and actually operated in a couple of those different hospital systems. And they're very efficient, very good doctors. Uh, their waiting lists are not terribly long, like Canada, if you need to totally, it's like two and a half years now. I've got a friend right. up in Ottawa who's chair. And he said he's booked out two and a half years if you need a total knee. Can you imagine that? And, and then the, one of his buddies who does uh, anterior cruciate ligament reconstruction. So if you're if you injure yourself in a soccer game, it's six months to get on his list. Wow! Seriously, that's you know, a lot of soccer you're missing out on. Yeah, I think of all the soccer you're missing out. But that's unusual because most of the European countries, the waiting lists are not that long. I mean, they're up maybe a month or two. So the bottom line is is that we're spending all this money in an extremely inefficient fashion. And that's what it boils down to. Yeah, very interesting. Does um, Is the insurance structure the same in Europe, uh, Jack? I don't know anything about- They have uh, they have two options. You can do a state-owned insurance company or you can do private practice. Uh, private practice, if you, if, you, um, if you pay X amount, you get in in two days. Uh, it, and I asked him that. It's a great question. And he said, if you're not, you're, you're, you're waiting four to six weeks. That's not that bad because if you're a busy surgeon here, sometimes you're booked out a month anyway in, in private practice. How do your colleagues in orthopedic surgery uh, respond to the to what you're doing? Uh, you know, it, it, that's <laughs> that's there's very, always a resistance, right? A pushback. No, no, no. no that's yeah, very that intuitive. It's it's the opposite of what you think. In other words, uh, let's use Chippewa Valley Orthopedics in your area that you know extremely well. They can't wait to hear from me. If I text a couple of those guys to get back to me within a half an hour, unless they're in surgery. And the reason is I've already worked up the patient. I'm giving them a surgical case. They don't have to do anything except schedule it. Uh, I'll just text them and say, I got a, a displaced meniscal tear in the knee, needs a scope. Right. We'll get on it. And I'll leave them the phone number of the patient. They get back to the patient 24 hours. Or I got a patient with severe arthritis of the knee. He's tried injections. It can't get along. Needs a total knee replacement. Okay. Boom. I'll get him in in the next two weeks. Boom. And so it, I thought there would be severe resistance, but I'm finding it's just the opposite. If you're willing to play in our ballpark, that is, 
Um, and most everybody is because it's extremely competitive out there. Uh, they're very happy to be involved. It, it's been very gratifying for me to see that happen. Mostly the surgeons just want to operate, right? That's Give exactly right. That's Don't all they want to lead do. Through, way through all these triage situations just give me somebody to operate on. exactly right, right. And, and the problem i'm seeing is is some of them and i hate to say this in a podcast but some are rushing the surgery when they could be using a more conservative approach and then operating as late as possible my family practice doc that perspective that's my what my conversation i have with my patients all the time if you need surgery we're going to get you there but i don't want to send you to an orthopedist prematurely because they're looking for people to operate on, you know, and, and you, yeah. I don't want you operated on unless you absolutely need it. I agree hundred percent. I agree. Well, I, Dr. Burt, I appreciate your taking the time today. We are going to wind down this episode of Dr. Usher weighs in, uh, having, we've had Jack Burt with us, who is an orthopedic surgeon and uh, he and his uh, colleague, Sam Moen have uh, founded MD direct, which is turning uh, the way we think about musculoskeletal care uh, upside down and uh, providing a, a more cost-effective, more patient-centered, individualized approach to musculoskeletal care. We are uh, proud to partner with them uh, in some of our uh, dealings with our employer patients. And uh, Jack and Sam, I'd like to thank you for your time today. And uh, hopefully you'll tune in for another podcast of Dr. Usher Ways In. Be happy to. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. You bet, Jack. Thanks.